What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Games are so much more than, well, games. They're complex, engaging, exciting artifacts that play a significant role in society, education, and beyond. That's why we founded Board Game Academics earlier this year. As a group of tabletop gamers and academic professionals, our mission is to combine research and gaming in novel ways that benefit academia and the tabletop industry. We're doing this by focusing on the historical, cultural, and systemic exploration of games as they relate to complex themes like race, gender, nationality, ability, sexuality, and class. To present and celebrate the work of the researchers who have submitted their papers to Board Game Academics, we are holding an inaugural conference on August 2nd. If you're attending Gen Con Trade Day, join us at 2 p.m. on August 2nd. If you're not, registration is now open for the virtual conference taking place on the same day. Register today and discover the exciting, creative, and thoughtful approaches to gaming that are encouraging meaningful discourse between researchers, teachers, and gamers. Use the discount code PODCAST on our website, boardgameacademics.com, when registering to receive the student rate. Again, that discount code is PODCAST, www.boardgameacademics.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 432, last 10, Spiritus Yaris winners. We like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are stoked because we are talking about the greatest award ceremony and in particular, the last 10. So we're talking about the last 10 great Spiel des Jahres winners. Yeah, yeah. The, the award is being announced in, uh, next week for 2023, um, which is always a fun time. So we get to find out like what the big game is that everybody's going to rush out to buy um, that they should have been playing already <laughs> uh, for 2023. So we figured why not talk about the last 10 years of Spiel des Jahres winners, um, especially because... The last 10 years is how long we've been doing this. So we've had an opportunity to talk about um, all of these games over the course of this podcast, which is crazy. So we're going to we're going to run through them. We're going to tell you which ones are kind of our favorites and how they've stacked up over the years um, leading up to next year's big announcement or next week's big announcement. Yeah, there's no bigger award than the Spiel des Jahres. And as Anthony said, as their impact about purchasing all these great games, let us know where the industry goes. So even if you are not following it, you will feel it because these are the games that will hit the table everywhere that you are. So that will be our feature review. 
So stick with us, and we'll talk more about that as we come up. All right, Anthony, that's what's going on with our feature. What's going on with us? What's going on with BGA? What are we up to? Oh, we're up to all sorts of stuff. Whoa. We're crazy like that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're always busy. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I think the biggest thing that's going on with us, and I want to make sure you all remember this, if you're going to be there to reach out to us, we're going to be at Gen Con. Uh, which we did in, not know we were going to do that. We did, we did not actually know we were going to do that until like two, a month ago, two months ago. Um, this is a relatively last minute plan. Uh, so we're going to be at Gen Con uh, in three weeks, which now that I say that out loud, I'm like, that's very soon. That's crazy. <laughs> we, we should not. <laughs> oh, so many plans to make, so much to do. Uh, but we're going to be there super early. We're going to be there Tuesday afternoon. We're attending trade day. We've mentioned board game academics. We are presenting the first uh, sweep of research um, from our contributors to board game academics at Gen Con trade day on Wednesday. So if you have a trade day pass or an exhibitor pass or a media pass that gets you into trade day, please, please join us two o'clock um, at the JW Marriott room 103. We will be there along with uh, six presenters from the upcoming board game academics journal release coming out later this year. We're going to be sharing their research. Very excited about this. Uh, if you can't be there or if you're going to Gen Con but just have a regular pass, you can't get into trade day. You can also join us virtually. We will be, streaming uh an additional six presentations later that evening and at the very least we'll have recordings of those live presentations for everybody who signs up so you can join us there um you heard the ad at the beginning of the episode or if you skipped over it go to boardgameacademics.com and you can register uh if you are a listener to this podcast you get a nice discount as well so definitely check that out we're super excited about it and there's only three weeks left so <laughs> we gotta we gotta get y'all in there yeah, if you haven't checked out the last episode, our feature review was talking about all of these wonderful research that's coming out. So we really want you to check into it because, again, even if it's not historically been your thing and it wasn't for us for a long time, it's definitely something that's going to blow your mind because there's a lot of great stuff that's happening. And Jen is producing a great show on Discord. So a great opportunity to interact with all of these researchers and scholars everyone from BGA, everyone from the Academic Editorial Journal. And even if you can't, Jen can't, right? Uh, you can Gen Con on the Discord. See, I did a thing. Yeah, <laughs> you got there. <laughs> I did. Um, so yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like wherever you are, if you're at Gen Con, if you're not at Gen Con, if you're only kind of a Gen Con, whatever you're doing, you, we have a way for you to participate. And so we really want you to join in. It's our first year doing this, obviously. So we want to get as many people involved as possible. Um, but we also would love your feedback and thoughts and ideas and everything. Because this is, you know, something we've been working on now for over a year. So it's it's all coming together. Yeah. And again, more ideas is more stuff that we can put in the Discord. Because we really want to make this year great with the Discord. So it's an opportunity for everyone to join us, and we're going to post a lot of information on there. So you'll have a running tally of all the great things that happen at Gen Con, even if you can't. So a lot of fun to be had. Hopefully get to see you all there. And yeah, it's going to be fantastic. All right, Anthony, that's what's going on with us out there. Now it's time to talk about the stuff that we really want to talk about. We want to talk about the games that we're getting to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, so I it was tough this week. I was trying to figure out 
which of the recently announced games because once you get into july a lot of people start announcing things and presenting new games either they're coming out soon or they just want to get the buzz like the summer con season um so there's a, several new games announced that are, are hot if you go to the bgg hotness but i <laughs> i decided you know what wanted to go with a tiny little game that uh was a blip in the hotness for like a couple days and then disappeared but it's super super up my alley so i want to talk about for northwood a solo trick-taking game um this is not a new game this was originally published online by wilhelm sue as the emissary um which is a solo trick-taking game that uses a standard deck of cards uh but you know they've kind of got together with um side room games and, and several other publishers and then we have kind of updated artwork it's very cute now and the result is for northwood which is uh as it says a solo hand management and precision trick-taking game so the goal here is to unite the kingdom of northwood by facilitating conversations between these different rulers so you have eight rounds and you must get eight different animal fiefs together and engage them by completing these different tricks. Um, so a trick-taking game in general, it's fairly straightforward, right? You have, you're, you're trying to win a trick uh, by having the highest card within whatever suit, right? A solo trick-taking game obviously has to do a little bit of twisting with that because you're not playing, there is no trick. There's not multiple people playing cards out. So obviously the game has to get creative there. And that's what makes this look so interesting. So. You, each ruler here wants you to win an exact number of tricks so you can join that alliance. Um, the game gets harder, obviously, then, as you have less options available. As you complete different things, it becomes harder to complete the remaining ones. So it's like one of those little solo puzzles uh, that are, you know, solo-only games that are, are kind of puzzly. And I love these. You know, I have a bunch of them from Button Shy Games. I, going way back, I have some from, like, you know, Freeman Freeze with Friday and... Um, his his whole series of, of solo box games so this is one that i probably will pick up because it's like 15 bucks it is on amazon it's not print and play anymore it's, it's pretty and, and fully uh designed and it's got cute little animals um so probably have a review for you here in a few weeks but uh it's cute and we all need more cute games less let's murder stabby games more <laughs> cute games for northwood <laughs> Yeah, when you when you said for Northwood, I was like, yes, for Northwood, like, and it, it's not that, <laughs> it's not it's not that kind of artwork. Yeah, no, and it's it's funny because like the story here is still about like ending a war. Right? Yeah, you're no, you're it's unifying great. A kingdom, but that's not really. You got cute little animals, you know. Like you pull up the artwork, you've got, and they're all really cute. So you've got like the little, uh, like the owl queen, a little elephant with a flower in its hair, and a little mm -hmm. stork with a crown, like. It's cute. It's silly. So, no, I, I'm down for this. I'm not. The artwork's adorable, and you can always hook me on some great artwork. So, I'm totally in support of this. And this has already done well as far as rankings concerned and overall score. So, yeah, no, this is fantastic. And it's just funny because it's like you get that kind of like vibe from like you know whatever Viking or you know medieval era kind of thing, and it's like a little adorable, cute, squishy little woodland creature kind of thing and i'm like oh all right cool and yeah, yeah. i mean it, it'd be nice if we for once in our history actually had a game or <laughs> world you know ending conflict that actually ended in just normal peace that would be fine that, that yeah. that'd be nice we should we could do that 
And again, you know what? Maybe someday someone from Board Game Academics, one of the journals or scholars, actually writes a paper on the fact that, like, are we fomenting military interventions because of all the games we grew up as kids that it's okay to just, I don't know, blow things up? Because that's how I was raised. I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s, so... Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, in, and and right in Germany, right? I don't remember. I used to know this for sure, but there was something along the lines of like, what kind of games get produced in Germany or what's marketed, right? You don't get Nazi games, of course, but you'd also right. don't get like, I don't, I think the military interactions kind of stuff, like culturally they shifted towards more of a, again, as we know, German slash Euro games, right? Yeah. Like agrarian farming. Right? Yeah. And that's not to say there weren't like plenty of like colonial games like Catan. Obviously, is it's about taking over an island, but um, it's all abstracted. We you don't have access and allies. You don't have yeah. That's yeah. more of the Amerithrash kind of military intervention alterations kind of games. Yeah. So, but I think we do have one paper that's kind of like that. So it'll be interesting to see in the future if someone maybe actually references for Northwood as maybe a turning point on some level, or you know an opportunity to play a game in a different way or think about things in a different way. Cause games do that, right? Games are all about interesting decisions. So like you're saying, like an interesting decision to end, you know, war between kingdoms could be peace. All right, let's do that. Right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a novel. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Going out there on a limb, man. <laughs> that's some SJW stuff. I don't know. So, uh, Yeah. Cool. Love it. All right. Now that we got done with all the peace stuff, war. Yeah, I got to say. <laughs> Not Woo. so subtly stabbing at the war games here, knowing what you were going to talk about. Ah, come on, kids. Let's let's do some more things. <laughs> Murder, death, kill. <laughs> I was so close. I was so close. And I got pulled back in. Damn it. All right. Mordred. Because not only is it a war game, but it's a war game from the bad guy's point of view so double double again so this is arthurian legend and if you don't know much about arthurian legend you may not know about mordred and i don't know i don't know i don't know how much we should get into the arthurian legend i i it's hard right because i'm like i'm an english major i i I know all this stuff and like it comes unbidden it'll just come out but at the same time i feel like that might bore everybody else <laughs> the important thing is, yeah mordred is an angry person who wants to destroy arthur <laughs> that's about it it's all you need to know you know arthur mordred's bad yeah so some familiar relations you know bad badish. most of the time bad sometimes badish, depending on the perspective yeah of the story like generally misunderstood but still doing bad things a, a kind of modern and again I, I don't want to use this kind of but kylo renish yeah that's not that's not too far off yeah yeah kind of like manipulated into doing a lot of that yeah yeah so so mordred the anti-hero so to speak and again as anthony was saying there is a lot of literature throughout the generations and we're still not sure exactly there the, the one thing that Simon has, and I'll talk a little bit more about the, the video that I, I saw, but the one major thing that they've released is this kind of monologue that, that he makes, that he is, 
I am Mordred, rightful King of Britain and Lord of Camelot, and I have made a grievous error. So again, as Anthony said, he's not a it's not a black and white kind of character. It's you know shades of gray towards you know a little bit on the darker side. So there is a mythology mythology here. There's a there is a narrative that's being presented. Obviously, this is not again canon for the Arthurian legend. Although I don't know if there's necessarily again without going into too many details about what is canon when it comes to King Arthur and such. But this is a game from Simon, and it is uh. Your, your general kind of troops on the map. And I there was not a lot of information released about it, which was kind of funny because on their social media, they're like, we're releasing this game, Mordred. And then people were like, excited. Oh, great. That's that Martin Wallace game. You remade it. How fantastic. This is going to be amazing. And the social media person was so like, just d- downtrodden about the whole thing because they thought that they could just like put this little bit out here and everyone would just go nuts and know what they what they meant but obviously there's another game called mordred just like this martin wallace is one of the greatest designers of all time and it seemed like maybe that would be a thing because again simon was keeping this very very tight-lipped and then other people were like hey this is shadows of camelot right because again simon didn't like release a lot of information about the game and still really hasn't the only thing they did recently is they had a live information you know powerpoint about the game itself so now I watched the hour plus video, so I I can talk about it to all of you, but I don't even think that it got a lot of general information released. And still, the information is not on BGG or any major platforms, but I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. First, Simon does do troops on the map really well, and they have a history of that. So you have your Blood Rage, Blood Rage, you have your uh, Ankh recently, giant gods on on the map. You have, I don't know, what's Rising Sun? I, I know you're not a fan of it, Anthony. I, I actually like it a lot. And they have a lot of other other games with their troops in the map, some Cthulhu-based, some other IP-based. So I'm like, cool, Simon is doing an area control game in the Arthurian legend, done, solid, got it, buy it, whole thing. The video itself actually gets into detail, and basically what they didn't say, which is what they really should have said, is... It is Blood Rage, but Arthurian legend-based, and instead of card drafting, there's a rondelle, and the game has a lot of a lot more chaos than Blood Rage, and it's a little bit more complicated because of that chaos, which makes it a little more... I think they try to say it was a little heavier than Blood Rage. I don't know if necessarily chaos is necessarily chaos necessarily equates to complexity it chaos is just chaos and again chaos is meant to be part of this game because mordred brought chaos into this world and the fey realm all these mythological creatures merge into this world and you get to play one of one of these factions and each of these factions plays differently they have an asymmetrical power humans and again i'm going based on what little information they gave us Humans have this ability with their ancestors, so they're able to come back, kind of like a Loki strategy from Blood Rage. Elves, high elves, as they call them, have magic, because that's typically what elves have. Uh, Underground dwarves, which, again, I don't remember them from Arthurian legend, but they're here. They're tough, and they tunnel. Not surprising. And then there's another faction, which they didn't talk too much about, even less so, and it's mostly kind of an 
a larger human humanoid orc kind of looking dude mountain giant kind of guy but smaller and then so you play one of the factions those have special abilities and then really what you're trying to do to win the game is max out one of the favors of of one of the three main characters in the game so mordred is not a playable character mordred is one of the players that you're trying to gain the most favor towards uh morgana his mom more or less depending on the game she's also another active you know character but non-playable character and then there's merlin so you, throughout the game you are gaining favor which gains you special abilities if you have the most favor in that particular uh major super powerful character and then basically those stats go up and down throughout the game you'll also able to recruit uh the remnants, I guess, of the Knights of the Round Table. Now, what they showed us was there's four different knights. This is a Simon game, so we know, again, generally, what little information we have, is that there's going to be more stuff. So I'm assuming, like, your Lancelots, your authors, anybody else that we have, like, has name recognition is probably going to be a stretch goal. On top of which, there's a lot of these mythological creatures that are just, again, non-playable characters and just add to the chaos because they run around and just mess stuff up. At a certain point of the game, a secondary board opens up. This is the Chaos Realm world, and it would benefit you now to move some of your characters over to that area because, again, stuff happens. Throughout the game, you're moving a rondelle, and basically you'll be... I think it's you're taking four actions but there's three choices, so you're going to double up. But when you double up, just like any rondelle, as you go around the track, you know, typically what happens is when you, if you've never played a rondelle before, as you go around this round circle with your disc, the actions that you want to take sometimes are further down the track, which means that you have less actions to take because the person behind you could just take the next, the very, very next action, which again may not be the best one but efficiency wise they might do a lot a lot of good with that so uh mordred is going to hit uh <laughs> very soon on kickstarter because simon obviously is not a big enough company not to use kickstarter and uh yeah i said that i said it out loud because they're, they're big enough they don't need to do that anymore <laughs> yeah I just i just want to buy your game bro um this game is coming out really soon I, it may be later this week. I don't know. I apologize. I'm going to look for a date here. It's one of those things you have to sign up to, to know about the Kickstarter launch. And yeah, it's going to happen relatively soon. Coming soon. This week, next week. It's not, It's going to hit. Yeah, they're always kind of vague about the dates anyways. I don't I don't know why, but I I don't know. It's hard not to be cynical about these things anymore. I I love Arthurian legend. Um, if, if you told me even like two years ago, this was coming. I probably would have just backed it. But there's two or three factors for me on this one. Is one, Simon stuff has been kind of repetitive of late, right? Like I gave them all my money for Marvel United, but that's because it's Marvel stuff, you know, and it's chibi little things to to paint. But Rising Sun didn't really click with me as it did enough for other people. Onk, I didn't back at all, and I don't really regret it having played it a couple times now. Um, and this one, especially if it's just Blood Rage, but more chaotic, I'm like, why would I want that? I, I'm sure there's other things going on there, but 
and Eric Lang doesn't seem to be involved in this. So, uh, it looks pretty. The miniatures look pretty, but I'm probably just not won't look at the Kickstarter, and then I won't be tempted. So, and also honestly, I don't know what version of the lore they're doing here. It mm-hmm. seems like they're drawing from a bunch of things and kind of throwing it in a blender. Um, if it's if it's something from an existing legend, it's one I'm not as familiar with. But it's I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's for me personally, and I feel like this is one that should have been for me. Um, that's not on them. That's just like I'm saying from my perspective. Sure. I would have expected to be more interested in this than I am. So, which I'm glad because I don't need to spend another two hundred dollars on one of these games. But <laughs> uh, I I will almost certainly wait and see next year at Gen Con what this plays like because. I'm not going to back it. Well, again, don't look directly at the artwork, right? Yeah, it is It is nice what I have seen. It's very beautiful, beautiful artwork. And according to their Twitter, it's coming out. It'll be on Kickstarter on July 12th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I the artwork and the miniatures look fantastic. Simon always does a great job with their miniatures. Again, I think the biggest problem I have with this game and the only reason I may not back this game is because it's on Kickstarter because typically you get hammered by the shipping, especially when it comes to a game that has miniatures in it. So yeah. yeah. And Simon is not, I don't like, I feel like other companies have figured this out better than them. Like how to subsidize the shipping costs. They don't seem to care. They're like, yeah, 50 bucks deal with it. (laughs) And, and again, like the designers don't have the greatest pedigree here, but again, it is a system that we know and love. Again, it's, it's again, I have not played the game. I don't have any more information than anyone else out there, but it seems very Blood Rage-esque. Again, no card drafting, rondelle, action selection kind of situation. But this could have went to retail. And if it would have went to retail, typically based upon either Amazon or any of the other online stores, I could have got free shipping, you know? So whatever, again, whatever Simon does as far as like, it's cheaper, but it's really not because now I have to pay $20 for shipping. It's so, really just those stupid stretch goals. That's all it is. Anymore. That's what it is. So, and and I, we should mention, I, you and I tortured ourselves over uh, uh, Inventions, the new Vitello yeah. Serta game. And, and separately, we did not communicate on this or conspire. We didn't back it. Neither one of us backed it. I thought you were going to back it, honestly. I was like, yeah, I was I like, was surprised I didn't. I, I had a friend back in Pittsburgh who backed it. I saw it pop up. I follow them. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, I guess not. I guess I'm not doing that. So Yeah. And we did an episode not too long ago. And I, I think it was one of my favorite episodes where we talked about when we got off. I guess we got off the ride, right, yeah. for a certain game where we're like, we were collecting this until we stopped collecting this. So this is this is it for you, right? You're off. I mean, not to say you can't jump back on at some point, but like you bought every Vitala Serta game. I did. Yeah. All the Eagle Griffin ones I have, they're right yeah. here above me. Um, there's seven of them, right? Of the big boxes. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't played Weather Machine yet. I've had it for like eight months. I haven't even opened it. And then the, the other ones, I haven't played any of them in over a year. So I'm yeah. like, I don't know that I need another one. It's not that inventions looked bad. It's that I didn't know if I would get it played. Like on Mars, I thought was brilliant, and I haven't played it since 2020. Yeah, I just I'm mm-hmm. like I'd really like to just play that more, or Lisboa, or The Gallerist, which is one of my favorite games, or any of these other games, and I just I don't get them to the table. So, and that's kind of where I'm at with a game like Mordred. I'm like I have Blood Rage, I like Blood Rage, 
I would just like to play more of that. <laughs> like, I don't need a new version that has different miniatures and slightly different rules because I don't play this other one enough. Um, and so I think that's just like a shift in mindset that, you know, 10 years in that we might be going through. Um, maybe well, our acquisition disorder segment will become less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, it's it's something you want to hit the table, but it do- doesn't necessarily, I guess, get added to your collection. And again, this goes back to, a, a, I guess, an, a very old, very ongoing kind of problematic uh, I don't know, I want to say it's a hot take anymore. It's pretty cold at this point, but like these companies need to make smaller boxes and they need to make, I understand like everyone loves a giant miniature. Don't get me wrong. Like you want to drop a giant Cthulhu or Galactus? I'm down for that. But like not everything needs to be huge. Like in fact, that Dune game where they had smaller pieces, smaller miniatures, Yeah, I was like, I'm down for that. I like cute little tiny things. So like, that's that's pretty great and then it saves on shipping and the price and like right why wouldn't yeah. you do that <laughs> like and again these games are never never going to be for children so it's not an issue of like choking hazard or anything else or like we need to be available for every audience smaller boxes smaller pieces you could still do deluxified stuff i'm not against that i love that but i mean it's the same thing for me and Cyclades. this game is on kickstarter and it's going to be there for a long time. It's look, it's it's no longer about crowdfunding. It's just a store. We're just yeah. buying games, right? The days of like you know, like supporting a publisher and you know, giving feedback and having changes in the game and like being part of the community. It's like now it's just a store. Like I want this thing because I'm willing to give you money two years in advance, losing a little bit of interest if there is such a thing at this day and age in order to gain those kind of somewhat quasi possibly rare, you know, stretch goals. So pretty much. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't know. I've backed a lot less than the last year. Like I just finished up my Kickstarter re relook thing. I did uh-huh. on the Patreon episodes where I went through all the games I backed on Kickstarter. And when I got to the end, it was very quick. Because like the last year, I think I backed maybe six or seven things, mm. um, which for some of you might be like, that's a lot. For me, it's not at all. It's very, very little. So, and it, it yeah, it comes down to that. Like, do I need all this stuff? Does it get played? Is there a space for it? Which increasingly the answer is no. Um, and if there is not space for it, what do I get rid of to make space for it? Sure. And then you're like, well, I like everything I still have. So maybe I don't want this more than that. Or maybe I need to play it first instead of just buying all these things blindly for hundreds of dollars. <laughs> so um, I'm with you, man. Smaller boxes would be great because yeah, I get more stuff. I was looking at Cyclades again, and I like I already own Cyclades, and it does not get table time. And I'm like, if I buy the new version, will it get table time? Because I do like the game. Right. So if I say to people at the table, hey, do you want to play a game that came out? And again, I remember off the top of my head how many years ago Clay's came out, what, seven, seven years ago, eight years ago? No, more than 10. Oh, is it really more than 10? So like, would you want to play this? You might get rebuffed because again, the cult of the hotness, if it hasn't come out in the last six months, people are not typically, you know, chomping at the bit to play it. But if I say, hey, this is the new Kickstarter, do you want to play this? They're like, oh yeah, this is great. This is fantastic. And so I don't know. I might have to show up on my older games and say this was a Kickstarter. 
they'll be like I don't, remember this, I don't remember this on kickstarter like yeah it came out 10 years ago did i say 10 years ago i mean 10 months ago yeah it came yeah. out 10 months ago so i love cyclades and again again if the shipping the shipping is the thing that's hurting me because again i'd buy this a second time in a more refined version especially to get it to the table and also i do have duplicates of games which is weird like you know castles of burgundy that's the thing yeah. that there's duplicates i also bought citadels which is a small game duplicates kingsburg duplicates maybe this should be a, a podcast top 10 games <laughs> that we bought duplicates of but uh and again all of the games that have the extra miniatures like arcadia quest which is basically mm-hmm. you're buying the game again right it's just slightly different if you think yeah. about it so yeah yeah but i will help you because i still want to back all the games and we should talk about this, whether it's good or not. So if you're on Patreon, you get your Kickstarter episode every other week where I talk about the top 12 games that came out on all the sites. Backer kits becoming more and more of a thing. So we'll have to talk about that as well. So yeah, stick with that and I'll, I'll give you some more feedback. Hey, everybody. We are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date. So don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table at the table of BGA. And we'll let you everyone know if those games are buying, you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are playing, you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should avoid them, or if in fact the games are the dreaded burn, and let's be honest, you already own a copy, so you don't need to buy a second one. <laughs> Says you. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Castles of Burgundy. I have three copies of that now. Did you get the did you get the super deluxe one? I did, yeah. That's like the probably the last super deluxe thing I'm gonna buy. He got the super deluxe one, folks. I did. <laughs> let's it's find coming. him and play it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So my game this week that I played is Newton, but specifically with the expansion stuff that they've added over the years mixed in. So if you buy a copy of Newton today, you're going to get it with the Great Discoveries expansion already in the box. So I'll talk about that a little bit. 
Um, also, though, had a chance to play with the New Horizon expansion, which is a new sideboard uh, for the students, um, and the Sunset promo, which was, I think, just released directly from Cranio's website slash through their last um, Kickstarter campaign. So Newton itself, just really quickly, we'll go over the rules for this. This game is five years old now. Um, and this is one of the last games, I think, that kind of like bum-rushed into Gen Con to pick up because Simon's like, we have this new Euro. It's from Cranio Creations. It's Simone Luciani worked on it. And you're like, oh my gosh. And they ended up having like five copies of it or something. <laughs> but I did get my copy at Gen Con um, in 2018. And it was... Uh, I'm not gonna say underwhelming, but it it was whelming, right? It was. I think I gave it a play, um, and th the game is fine. It's quick. I've played it probably a fair amount, considering everything. But like thematically, you didn't really feel like you were doing the things that the game said you were doing, right? So this is supposed to be the scientific revolution. There's all these scientists, and you are going out and traveling to meet with these people in these different universities and cities, and you have your own students going off on the knowledge track and and doing all sorts of things, right? Thematically speaking, none of that really comes through all that much. Um, what really makes the game interesting, and the reason I play it, especially solo, quite a bit, is that the core mechanism, the action mechanism, is interesting. So you start the game with cards in your hand, right? You start with a with a hand of cards. Everybody has the same ones. And they have different icons on them. And each of those icons represents an action that you can take, right? So, you know, you have... Um, there's like a, the, the compass action, which lets you move your scientist around the main map so you can visit these different locations and leave cubes behind. If you leave a cube behind, it means you've been there, which will help you then research that thing later. Um, you have the, uh, the study icon, which allows you to draft new cards from the tableau, which will make your deck stronger and therefore you take better actions in the future. Um, you have like the little the ruler action, which lets you move your, um, your work token up, which gives you income and eventually unlock special bonuses at the end. Um, there's a student action, which lets you move up one of your students on this knowledge track. And most of the spaces on the knowledge track are empty, but then you come across these various locations that give you special abilities and actions that you can take if you stop there. Um, and then you have the, the ability to study and place books into your library, which requires you to have met certain requirements, either by visiting locations already or having those books face up in front of you on the cards that you've played. At the end of each round, you take one of those cards that you played and you tuck it under the board to make a future action more powerful. The thing that's interesting is when you play an action, you know the card itself might have something on the top that you can do, a special ability. So get some coins or go to a certain location or whatever. But at the bottom, it's always going to have one of those action icons. You add up the number of visible action icons. So if you have three cards in your hand that all let you travel, you can travel three times, but each time you play it, you get to travel a little bit further. Right? You have to do more with that because you have more compasses out. By the third time, you have three out instead of just the one. Um, so if you put those, if you tuck them under the board, which you have to do once every round, you're going to get a more powerful action in the future for that particular icon. Um, it also means you really have to draft cards. You can't just ignore that action because eventually you just run out of cards in your hand. <laughs> so then um, you can't do anything. So you don't want to do that. Uh, so that's the game, basically. If you play it solo or with two people, it's really quick. Like, I can get through a game of this in, like, 20, 25 minutes um, with multiple people. Like, even with four players, it's 90 minutes. It's a quick game, right? Because there's not a lot going on here. And there's not a ton of AP because you only have so many cards in your hand, and there's only so many options available to you. 
So it's a play. Like I think my rating for the original game in my collection was like a seven or a seven point five. It's fine. I like it. It's nothing amazing, right? It's not the second coming of, of Euro games. Um, so anytime a new promo or expansions released, I'm like, okay, well, maybe that'll make the game a little bit better. Maybe it'll give me some more interesting decisions to make. Maybe it'll like allow things to kind of combo together a little bit more because the combos don't really build up as much as you would like in a game like this. And there's been three now. So the first one to be released was Great Discoveries. Um, that was a full expansion. I say full, but it really is just like one punch board and then a small deck of cards. But it was it was an expansion, a proper expansion in 2019 um, that has now been packaged in with the game. So if you get a copy of Newton today, you should get it with this expansion. Uh, and so what you get is you get a, a deck of cards that will basically give you different options. So instead of tucking a card under and getting, you know, whatever action you bonus you get, you now get other possibilities. So you have like combos of actions. So you might have multiple actions that you could, that'll take. So I might have two mortar boards or, you know, the, the work symbol and the study symbol. So just like more stuff happening, or you can flip the card over in some cases and you get a special action uh, on top of that. Right. So the card becomes two multi-use, which is cool. It's a, it's a nice thing to have. Um, so that, that was a nice thing. I've kind of included those now, just made it part of the game, right? The other thing that you have is discovery tiles. So these are, I think there's either nine or 12 of them. Um, and these have different bonuses and actions on them and you can collect them on the different action boards when you get there. And then they give you different bonuses through the game and sometimes end game scoring conditions. Neither of these things, I guess the cards kind of tweak the gameplay enough. Um, because they give you more flexibility of what you're playing and when you're playing it. But the discovery tiles, I feel like, are kind of just tacked on a little bit. Um, I don't find them as interesting. I don't find it as something I want to use an action for or, like, limited resources for. Um, there are certain situations where it would make sense to do so. But for the most part, like, of this expansion, it's... There's no reason not to have them in the game. They just don't become an important part of the game as often as those cards. Cards are a must-have. That's there's a reason they pack that in, just more flexibility with the cards. But the 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 tiles, you know, take them or leave them. Um, so that is the the main expansion. That's the one that came out in 2019. Uh, the New Horizon board. This is a new student board. Uh, gives a different technology track. So. In this case now, you have these triangles at the bottom of the board. And what these will allow you to do is if you park a student there, like just don't move them further, every time you take an action with that symbol on that triangle, you're going to get a bonus, usually victory points. So, and any time you do it, however you do it. So there's also duplications. So the objective spaces at the end, if you get them, if you meet their criteria, you get the objective. There are some that have a times two symbols. You can kind of double that up. So it's just a little more options with the student board, which often was the least interesting part of this game because it took a lot of actions to move those students any reasonable amount. And then you wouldn't necessarily unlock anything interesting. Or if you got a ton of movement, you have to skip over the interesting stuff because you only get to activate where you stopped. So this is cool because you can move a student up like five spaces, park them, and then get bonus points throughout the game for taking that action. It kind of helps you specialize a little bit. Uh, so I like that. I would... I don't know that I'll always use this board, but for now I'm just using this board. Um, 
as a replacement for the original student board. And then the last one here, this is the Sunset promo. Um, so it's just six cards. But these six cards will add a new starting card to each person's deck. Um, and then this, based on you have to travel to a certain location, once you've done that, and if you play the card, you get a, an extra action. So that gives you kind of a bonus that you can kind of use throughout the game. If you get it early, it's really, really powerful. Like if you move your guy to that location early enough in the game, you're just going to be able to use this over and over again and get money or points or additional potions or whatever it is. Everybody has one, so you all have that option. So it kind of just jump starts your engine a little bit and gives you more flexibility. Don't tuck this card because <laughs> then you don't have it. Um, but yeah, I, that's the sunset promo. So there's not really much more to it than that. And again, it's a promo. It's not meant to be game-breaking, change different or anything. Um, so overall, all three of these I like. Um, if I had to take or leave anything, I would say definitely use the new deck of action cards uh, that comes with Great Discoveries. There's no reason not to include the Great Discoveries, but I'm not as interested in those as uh, otherwise. I'm really liking the New Horizon board. I wish they'd done a little bit more with it because it's not quite different enough. But I, again, I don't know what all you do with that me mechanism. It's one of the problems I have with the game. It's like, what do you do with this? How do you make it better? And this is them trying to do that. Um, and then the Sunset promo, yeah, of course, throw that in there. Why would you not throw that in there? <laughs> it just gives you more powerful things to do, which is always more fun in the game. So overall, all three of these are great. And again, if you buy Newton now, you're getting the Great Discoveries expansion. Um, I don't think any of these elevate the game for me to a buy, but they might get it up from that 7, 7.5 to like an 8, like a higher play. Um, I'm enjoying the game a little bit more. I've played it a, two or three times now with the new stuff. And that's all, you know, it speaks to the quality of the additional mechanisms that you have. But none of this is like, oh, this makes the game great now, whereas before it was kind of middling. It's like, it's just slightly less middling now. It's a little bit higher. <laughs> so... That's Newton, um, all of its promos and expansions. I, I believe you can just buy these off the Crania web store. And again, if you want the, the great discoveries, you're just going to get that if you pick up the game. So I own Newton. I like Newton, but I have not played Newton since I reviewed Newton. So we played it a bunch of times, got to the table. It's fine. But again, it became one of those kind of generic euros that kind of beiged its way out into the vastness of beigeness um yeah. I, I'm, I'm talking about you uh gutenberg out there which is also yeah, yeah, yeah. a decent I, game i like it better than gutenberg but it's definitely in that ballpark yeah yeah i think i like gutenberg a little bit better but i have not played with these expansions so if i buy these expansions and i have the older version of of newton am i going to like it like is is it worth is it worth the investment right because I didn't, I didn't even know these expansions existed because Newton is somewhere collecting dust on a shelf because it was okay. Right. And I gave it a seven. It's a seven on my BGG rating. So it's not a bad right. game. It was just like, okay, it's another thing. And again, it has a lot of similar elements to uh, Darwin's journey as far as like there are, there's like multiple tracks and maps where you're, you're just kind of moving to get bonuses, right? So... I have that also in a deluxe format. Should I buy this, Anthony? Are you going to talk me into this? Uh, ah, I don't know, man. Got him. I don't know that I would tell. Well, that's the thing, though, is 
I picked these up as part of a Kickstarter, and they're like, oh, you can buy any of the promos from our web store. I'm like, okay, cool. They're coming anyways. I don't have to pay the shipping. Um, and Great Discoveries has been a thing that I wanted for a while, and it was just hard to find. Like, when they released that, it was, I don't know if they even released it in the U.S., and if they did, there weren't that many copies. The other promos, I would almost say, yeah, because they're like five, ten bucks. Great Discoveries, if you buy it separately, I don't know how much you have to spend for that. Uh, it might, I don't know if it's worth it for those 30 cards. Um, it's that's the hard part if you have the old version of this game is now you gotta go out and find the rest of the stuff <laughs> so um i would say no but if you can find them cheap enough like i'm seeing the great discoveries expansion on on uh card house for 11 dollars. i think that's fine for the deck of cards sure uh again i don't that's not saying you won't like the tiles i just didn't find them as interesting but again, it's not going to upgrade the game enough that it's like, everybody go buy these things, spend $30 to upgrade this game that you haven't played in four or five years. Yeah. Well, it's 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 great to see that they did the right thing and included the most essential expansion in the base box to be sold going forward. But also it shows that the base game was not enough when they released it, which it, and, which it was not. It was not a thing. Yeah, and this expansion still doesn't make it I just don't know that you could. I don't know if this game had enough to it that you could add stuff to it to make it that good. It's Again, it feels like one of those mid-level tea games where you're like, okay, that's fine. I played that. That was good. Yes. Let's move on now. Uh, give me a better one. <laughs> right. Gotcha. All right. Well, I got a game that, I guess, a long time coming, at least for me, did not back it on Kickstarter, but was eventually able to get to the table this is raccoon tycoon uh this was on kickstarter uh probably best known for its really cute adorable storybook character artwork in this game uh turns out you know little cute fuzzy creatures in the woodland areas run railroads because sure that's a thing <laughs> And this is kind of a re-implementation of Lizard Wizard, in a way. And again, that was kind of less cute, but really amazing kind of artwork creatures, so to speak. So um, not a one-to-one -one translation, but still somewhat in the same universe. And yeah, Glenn Drover, probably best known, at least, I don't know, for me, as far as Empire's Age of Discovery, but you probably all best known him for, like, Railways of the World, I guess Mosaic, A Story of Civilization is his most recent kind of like giant game. I kind of got started in his stuff with Railroad Rivals. I really like that game a lot. That should actually see a lot more table time because it does have that same kind of aesthetic quality as The Duke, which I talked about last week, which is these great tiles and this really kind of streamlined gameplay. I didn't get the super deluxe version that had the wood tiles and kind of regret it now, but still a very great game. And he's got tremendous you know ludology of of great games so now raku tycoon is primarily it's an auction game so this is one of those cases where you do want to have as many players as possible and i i will mention briefly i'll come back to it there is an expansion that just like anthony is now baked into the game uh that's the fat cat expansion which allows you to play um a six player because the game is two to five that's great because again auctions need more players less players make auctions a lot less interesting uh but 
let's talk about the base game without the expansion. Let me give you a little bit of an early review. Um, you need to get the expansion. So if you've had the base game and never had the expansion, you are se severely missing out. If you're going to buy this game again, buy the one that has the expansion, primarily because it gives you a beautiful double-layered player board. It gives you more buildings. I'll talk about this a little bit more. Buildings in the game can be widely swingy. And in the expansion, some of those uh, more powerful buildings are eroded. And there's some new buildings in the game. And again, there's more additional stuff in the expansion as well. Not reviewing the expansion, but I will say right off the bat, having played this a couple of times in both different versions, get the expansion. Get the expansion or get the base game with the expansion, which is the Fat Cat expansion. Uh, now, let's go back to the game itself. Um, Raccoon Tycoon. Again, auctioning, railroads. So primarily the game comes down to like, there's a couple things to do, but two area, two main things. You have a hand of cards. The cards allow you to move up different items up a market. So the, the main board on the top of the main board has a market. You play a card. It will tell you which items and how many times you'll move that item up on a particular market. So there's some basic stuff from grain to wood, and then there's coal, iron. Um, I think there's boxes or something, some kind of product. And then there's wine. The more produced the item from the raw form, the more it's worth just as it goes up the track. So when you play a card, you're moving up items on those tracks. And then on the bottom of the card, it allows you to produce, could be similar, could be different. It's not equated necessarily. It allows you to produce items. So you might raise the wine track up three, but you might be able, you might be able to produce, I don't know, grain or wood or something like that you put that you're able to collect up to 10 items as possible as you buy buildings you'll be able to collect an additional item for each building at some point you will notice that the market has gone so high on an item that you want to sell that particular item you could sell one of a type and whatever the market's at times the number of items you're going to sell there's your money money is important because again since it's an auction game that's really where the primary gameplay comes into, you know, you know, the feel. You got these really cute critter cards, and they are railroad tycoons, as the game kind of gives you a little hint there. Your job is to outbid your opponents. Again, it's an auction game, so sometimes it's not worth the money to get the particular critter, but it's a set collection with the critters. So these cute, adorable animals that are railroad tycoons. The more of the same type, the more the higher it goes up. And each of the crit, each of the the characters, critters in this game, uh, they're worth different points going up that trail. So like the skunks are worth two when they start off. Where the uh, raccoon tycoon, the raccoon himself, he's worth more. I think he starts at five and then he moves up. So set collection. Now, set collection is great, but also you'll have an opportunity to purchase towns now purchasing towns also very simple the number of items that it requires or a variety of items towns give you a little bit bonus points um depending on the town itself two to five and you will link those up with the rare with a particular type of of railroad tycoon so each town which each railroad gives you additional points so if you find that you have a lot of a particular product 
But right now, the market doesn't give you a lot of money for it. Purchase a town. Use the resources to purchase a town. Now, the buildings, which I mentioned very briefly, are also another part of this game. Buildings will give you special abilities that are just yours and yours alone. Um, again, if you get the expansion, you start with this particular power, which is basically a building power. So again, get the expansion if you play this game. The buildings themselves, they come out, they're, they're very expensive, but they give you a powerful ability. Some let you hold more items, some let you sell more items, different items. Some let you score points for a variety of different reasons. You don't necessarily need to purchase buildings to win the game, but you will be purchasing them because they do give you enough of a thing in order to be successful. And at the very least, for every building you build, you'll have an opportunity to store one more good. Primarily, that's the whole game. And really, when any auction game comes down to is how crazy are the people at the table? I, at several points, I had, you know, anywhere from 30 some odd dollars to 200 some odd dollars. So your job strategically is to build up enough money so that when the auction comes, you're ready to go. And when you're ready to go, you can, like I said, you could play a card, you could buy a building, you could buy a town, or you could decide to put one of those tycoons into the market. And generally, there's two available that you can put up there. Start with the one that, you know, you don't want, so it burns everyone else's money out, and then eventually gets down to the one that you want, and then obviously build a, <laughs> build a crazy amount of money. Uh, money's not worth anything at the end of the game unless you have a particular building, which I did, it was not that helpful. But the critters are worth a lot of points. So you certainly want to pick them up. That's going to be your main driver of points in the game more than anything else. So make money, as much money as possible. Watch the market as you can. And then don't bid crazy. But yet at the same time, since money's not worth anything, at the very end of the game, people, like at the start of the game, people were like getting buildings, I'm sorry, getting tycoons for like, $15 and at the end of the game someone bid 100 which was like crazy but money doesn't matter so uh raccoon tycoon um gets a solid play for me i i was surprised i'm usually not the biggest fan of the auction games i do usually do well in auction games which is so surprising to me because it's not my vibe but if you do pick up the fat cat expansion or it comes in the base game I can see this being a buy. I'm surprised. I, I didn't think that would be a thing, but it kind of somewhat makes up to a buy. But again, you have to like aux the, the auction mechanic. Because again, you're hiding your money. And again, people are crazy at the table. And that really, that really kind of holds your fun is either like, this is fun or this is painful, right? And like, because people could bid a, a crazy amount of money for a card, and then you're just like, yeah, you did that, I guess, but it it didn't really benefit you that much. Like, uh. so it's a play. It's a solid play. Again, if you like this type of game, pick up the Fat Cat expansion. It might move it up to a buy. For me, it's still just a solid play. Uh, Raccoon Tycoon and uh, Raccoon Tycoon, the Fat Cat expansion. Cool. Yeah, I... I whatever reason i never played this but it always looked cool like I've, I've been on the fence of buying it a couple times i've seen it on sale just because it looks cute and i like auction games so yeah it at some point. it's again it's it's a very good production the artwork is great the graphic design is, is is quite good the deluxe version of it has some really nice pieces 
but the artwork and the theme don't really mesh very well. Don't get me wrong. I love myself a good animal tycoon, but it just, it's weird. It's got this kind of Victorian, you know, aesthetic to the artwork. So it's just like, I don't know what to do about this. I guess if they weren't animals, they would just be old rich people, you know? So I guess it's better, but yet at the same time, the storybook look of the, of the animals and of the game itself doesn't lend itself to any kind of particular thematic appeal. It's just like, these would have been old white people. So like, so now it's just animals. So don't you like that better? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Right. You play brass. Yeah, that's you, true. <laughs> you, you know, you play brass and you're like, which really disgruntled looking old white dude do I want to have as my player piece? Right. Like it doesn't matter, yeah. but he, he looks very upset with his life despite having all the monies. So isn't it better to have a, a fat cat? I don't know. It just doesn't do anything more for the game for me personally. Cause again, it's trading, it's trading commodities. So I don't know. Take it as you will. Again, solid buy. I mean, eh, solid play. I mean, again, it's it's between a play and a buy for me. Again, depending on your your uh your mileage as far as auction games are concerned. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's hitting our table this week. Let's get on to our feature review. Our feature review this week is, of course, the greatest and especially the latest 10 Spiritus Yaris Award winners. So again, if yeah, you've yeah. not yeah, if you've not played, if you've not seen these, if you don't know too much about the award, uh again, you felt the vibrations of it. You've heard about these games. These games have become the games at the table because of the Spiritus Yaris. Yeah, there is no bigger badge to to slap on the box um than the STJ award-winning <laughs> even the nominees right they just oh, yeah. get to put that logo on there and it, people may not even see the little word nominee at the bottom they're just like oh steal this yours uh and honestly like looking back over the list i forgot that some of these games won i just remember certain games being nominated <laughs> so it, it the games that get the recognition just by being nominated being on the short list and you usually, usually there's three um it does so much for them yeah right and then in very rare cases, it doesn't do anything, but that's usually the publisher's fault. So. Yeah. And again, sometimes, I mean, again, I think we talked about this a little bit. And I'm sure there's a lot of nuance to this. Anytime there's an award, there's always nuance. But it's mm -hmm. typically best rulebook as far as like rulebook gameplay kind of situation. Yeah, rulebook is definitely like a major component here yeah. in a way that it isn't for other games. Which it uh, really should be because rulebooks are important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've we've all seen it happen like a, a game review goes up and people are like oh these people really like this game and then everybody gets the game they're like actually it's impossible to learn how to play this game yeah so or these people played it wrong and then their review is based on the wrong play because no one actually read the rule book they were just taught the game yeah it's, it's happened to us too like we it happens to everybody but this particular award they're very particular like no the rule book needs to be brilliantly written and easy to learn the game and that that's great that should be one of the top three criteria absolutely so we are talking about the last 10 and this is our first i guess episodes of the last 10 because anthony we're about to hit our 10-year anniversary yeah it's crazy so <laughs> 10 10 years of podcasting yeah so throughout throughout the rest of the year we're going to hit you up with some of the best of the last 10 that Anthony and I have been talking about over the last 10 years. 
So we wanted to start with, of course, the greatest, again, as far as awards are concerned, the Spiritus Yaris. So Anthony, going way back, way back in the time machine, using the Dial of Destiny, or don't, yeah. because it's an okay movie. I just saw it recently. It's okay. Wait for it to stream. Just saying. Uh, yeah. 2013, man. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> still not all the way back to the last one. Um, all right. Yeah. 2013. This is the first year that I was personally aware of this award. Um, it was my first year in hobby gaming. It's when we started the podcast. So the, the nominees that year were Quicks, which I don't think I've ever played. Just early rolling, right? Mm -hmm. Augustus, which was a bingo, the board game. Yep. And we love this. I remember playing <laughs> we it. We did. <laughs> I have it. And then Hanabi uh, from Anton Bauza, which I it makes sense that it won, but I remember being very upset about it at the time because we, <laughs> we don't like this game. So. Yeah, Augustus was a game I, I surprisingly like because, as you mentioned, it's bingo, but yeah. it's bingo with like a lot of extra like cool steps and some interesting decisions. The challenge with the game was it was it was streamlined enough to get non-gamers or gateway gamers. I should say probably say gateway gamers to play, but then the artwork was not gateway gamer necessarily friendly. It was like Roman, just gene generic Roman artwork, good artwork. But again, maybe they could have used critters animals here <laughs> if they wanted to get yeah. more families to the table, but it's a good game. I still own it. I like it. But Hanabi was like one of those things where like, I guess you would call it like a meme. It'd be a meme situation yeah. where it's just like, Hey, I got 25 points. Of course you did because you purposely, I don't know, sometimes unconsciously gave clues to other people to get 25 fireworks. So sure, sure you did. That's a good, that's a thing yeah. you do every week. I, I know that it's fun and I, I love that people love it, but every time I played it, and I've probably played it a dozen times, it, someone cheats, right? And you have to remind them of the rules. So you're either the jerk who's <laughs> reminding people of the rules in a cooperative game and they're like, who cares? Or you ignore it and you're like, well, we didn't actually do that well because you were cheating the whole time. <laughs> sure. Or again, Which, again, it's cooperative. And if we all have fun, who cares? I just don't have fun with that. Yeah. So I don't like to play it again. It's and somewhat like it, it, if you don't cheat, which you shouldn't, and you could play this online, which should keep you from cheating, but maybe not. Sure. You sh not getting 25 is not a problem, right? Because it's you're not really supposed to. That's supposed to be like one of the rare things because you are blindly selecting cards. So yeah, it's supposed to be a problematic, challenging game where you hit 25 on the bluest of moons, but people hit it all the time and it's just kind of really weird. I remember playing with somebody who's a gamer and he's like, oh, before we get started, just let you know, I put you know the higher cards on the right side of my hand. I'm like, dude, what, what why? <laughs> like what, why now i can't we, we we can't play this game together ever again because that's what you do like that's yeah. not a thing you can tell us you can't tell us that thing yeah but yeah they had a nice production but i guess if there was a game that would be the most marketable because of the small box and how it plays it would be hanabi yeah yeah no absolutely it's you know it, it's held up I think uh, we're going to talk about how these games have held up. I think it's definitely held up. You see it everywhere. So, yeah, I played quicks. Quicks is fine. Love Augustus. And again, Hanabi. All right. 2014. 2014. This is one of those years where I look back. I'm like, oh, that's right. That is what happened. Um, <laughs> so the nominees that year were concept, which not a game, but a brilliant activity. Game experience. Uh, yeah. 
Splendor, which has absolutely stood the test. This is one of the most popular games of all time. If you see the copies in Target now, it says over 2 million sold. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And then Camel Up, which... I thought was Camel Cup for a long time. Everybody did, yeah. (laughs) The typography on that box is terrible. And then it went out of print because this was Z-Man, I think, brought it over. Like, it came out for a little bit, and then it was unavailable for four, five, six years. It was a really long time before they finally brought it back, um, Pegasus Spiel. Mm-hmm. And so this was one of those ones where I always thought Splendor won that year because I'm like, oh, that's the game we always see. Yeah. Like, no, it was Camel Up, that game that I've never played because it was out of print for most of the time it's been out. <laughs> so. I, own, I, I own Camel Up slash Camel Cup. I've actually played with family, and it does weirdly play well because it's one of those things where it's like, how the die plays out and you're just betting on the camels so again it almost kind of somewhat plays itself it's it's a it's a race game where you're bidding and that's primarily it like it's fine i know that i think they've had an expansion with it too but i've never picked it up concept was a game that i i've loved and championed and we played this on bga live and had a lot of fun with that but as you said, Anthony, it's not a game. It's a game. It's a game experience, right? Like the idea that there's points in that game is ridiculous. Yeah, but it's it, a great one. I use it in the classroom. I play with yeah. my kids. I play with parents. Like it's a brilliant concept. Whole package. Yeah, right? it's it's uh, charades for introverts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, it made for good um, content when we did it on Twitch. Oh, that was like, so much fun. <laughs> Everyone had yeah, a lot of fun. Well. Splendor is a game that I own. Let me let me just give my little caveats here. I don't know if I own a physical copy of it. I did at one point. I don't know if I gave it to either gave it to a charity to sell off. Uh, I've played it several times. I own, I purchased my own money, the app version of this for the iPad going, I got to be wrong. I just got to be wrong. <laughs> I just don't like Splendor. I haven't played any of the variations. I know there's like a Thanos one and I don't know if there's, you know, but I, I just can't. I, I just doesn't do it for me. I don't know why. Yeah, same. I, I don't think I've ever played a version of Splendor that I loved. Um, but I get it. And it, again, it, it feels like the one that should have won sure. based on the legacy that the game has. But alas, it did not. All right, that brings us up to 2015. All right, 2015 was an interesting year um, because we had Machi Koro, which lit the world on fire till six months later when we all realized the game was a little broken. <laughs> You don't um, say. <laughs> this was like, this is the next coming of board games. And then eventually you're like, oh, actually, you just do this every time and you'll win. <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> uh, the game, one of the worst named experiences ever, but a, a brilliant little card game. And then Colt Express, uh-huh. which won the award. Uh, and Colt Express is a fun game. It's clever. It's cute. But it's an interesting one to win this award because it is like one of those like, complex productions yeah the rules are a little not, not convoluted but there's a lot going on um it just seems like more than you typically get out of one of these games i agree. usually elegant and simple and mechanically focused this one was like thematically focused yeah um, I, I mean cult express was hard too because and surprising that it won because it's a programming game yeah and it's um, it's old west kind of somewhat shoot 'em up yeah and you're building the stuff which means that you could you play the game 10, 15 times and stuff starts to fall apart. Yeah. Right? It's not. Yeah. It, it's it, not bad. None of that's bad. It's a good game and I enjoy it. It's just, it was a weird win, I think. Yeah. I've played this. There is an app or some, somebody owns a digital version of this, which you can, you can play. 
I like Cult Express. I, I don't know if I own Cult Express. I think I might have bought it like on sale because again, they mass produce these things when they win awards. Majikaro, I, I I believe I also own a copy of that again. As you said, there was that moment where everyone was like, this is great. And then because everyone was winning. And then I think it had multiple expansions that did not make the game better necessarily. And then that wasn't there Machikoro Legacy? There's Machikoro Legacy and Machikoro 2 came out like six months later. <laughs> okay. So they, so they fixed some things. Yeah, Machikoro 2 has apparently resolved some of those issues. It's just at this point, it's been around for so long. And that's not... I know people who love this game. Just non-ironically. They're like, Machikoro is brilliant. And I love the artwork sure. of the game. And I like the idea of the game. Yeah. But I think other games have now come along and done the mechanics of Machikoro better. Like, Space Base is a better game. Sure. Like, mechanically. Um, and so Machikoro 2 is like, okay, well, we figured it out eight years later. Now we've got it. And people are like, eh, it's been eight years. I don't know. <laughs> and again, like you mentioned, the game, which it has no theme to it. And somehow they decided to go with skulls. Like, such a bad idea. Terrible like, idea. Terrible. Nah, the retheming that Pandasaurus did like three years ago, it's abstract nonsense, but it's pretty and it's more family friendly. It's what you'll find on the shelves now. But that original one, when it was up for the award, I think they were just trying to say this is hard. It'll make you want to die. I don't. I don't know what it was, but it just. It was such a terrible. Theme. I mean, along with the terrible name, it's just. If you so put bad. you put those two things together, and it's it is it is bad. Uh, yeah. I bought it again, maybe because of of the award. I don't remember way back when. And I played it, and it's a good game. Again, it's another one yeah. of those like, I'm going to play a card, and you, and I could tell you to play light or hard. Like it's 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 a it's it's a more honest game than Hanabi. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no this. I'm I again I've mentioned this before. I feel like I should be able to hand my old copy back and get the new version. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I feel like the name and the artwork is are so problematic that I, I deserve to be able to do that. Just I agree. I have both copies, but I agree. Like, hey kids, you want to play a very simple game that's typically meant for you? Oh dear God, you're gonna have nightmares now. So good luck. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the game's called the game. And the kids are like, "But why?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a funny one too because my kids both like this game, but my daughter wants to play with the pretty colors, and my son, who's like all into horror stuff now, he wants to play with the skulls. And so then they they'll just argue. <laughs> like, no, I, this is the artwork I want. I'm like, "I right, we gotta go with the simple one because she's younger." He's like, "That's not fair." <laughs> like, sorry, dude. Geez, terrible artwork. Terrible artwork. Terrible work or a terrible name. Somebody deserves to be fired. I don't know who, but yeah. 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 All right. 2016. All right. 2016 was a slam dunk year. And I guess the year before was supposedly supposed to be too. But this year it was Codenames, Emotep, and Karuba. Um, now, Karuba is a game that I, I love. It's simultaneous action. It's basically a roll and write, but with a board game. Yeah. Which I think is a very cool implementation of that. Um, I've had fun with it with my kids. I've brought it into the classroom to kind of show how that, like, people's decisions diverge on different branches based on circumstances, which is really interesting. Um, Emotep is like pick up and deliver basic light Euro. It's fun. You get to build a little pyramid, but <laughs> I, it didn't stick out to me much. Um, and then Codenames is Codenames, which is just a franchise unto itself as also sold millions of copies. If that hadn't won that year, I don't, I think we all would have, would have been very surprised. Yeah, I, I think, again, it fits that 
it fits that perfect niche for the Spielers Jaris as far as like family friendly, infinitely replayable, great rule set. You can explain the game to anybody. Anyone can play the game. Makes perfect sense on on every version of this. I will say, again, it's it's a lot more fun for the person giving the clues than everyone else playing the game, unless you play the two-player version. Two-player versions is the superior version, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, this is this is one of those weird ones, though, that actually plays really well online. They have a free online version of this sure. um, that TGE has put up. I've played this with, like, with my MFA cohort. I've played it with friends. I've played it with um, fellow gamers, like... It, it almost plays better online than in person. Sure. I agree with that. Be, because you have that streamlining and everybody has equal view of the stuff on the table. Yes. I think that helps. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, the other games, as far as this is concerned, are also very good. So it, it wasn't a bad... Emotep was a game I own. I own Codenames. I think I own Karuba. I may or may not own Karuba. I'm not sure. But I've played all these games. So, I mean, these are all big hitters. This is Vlado Shavaltel. This is Full Walker Harding and Rudiger Dorn. I mean, like, just major, major people in the industry. I would play any of these games anytime. I mean, that's a yeah. solid, solid, solid year. All right, 2017. All right, 2017. Um, this was an interesting one. We had The Quest for El Dorado which is a deck-building exploration game. Yes. Uh, of, of going into the, the search for the, the Golden City. Uh, it's a it's a good game. I enjoy it. It has some problematic theming that they just keep doubling down on. <laughs> but they, they've re-released this game like three times, and it's just the same every time with slightly higher definition artwork. Or like, what you doing, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Now you, you don't can... have to change the theme. You just got to change a few cards. There's a handful of cards that need to be changed in this game. Just change them. Uh, Magic Maze was another simultaneous silent action game. Yeah. Where you have to rapidly move your stuff through this. It's a mall, <laughs> right? You're a, the maze is the mall. Uh, it's very frustrating, but fun to watch students play. Yes. I bring this one into the classroom, and it is fun to watch them like get mad at each other. Yes, so, and hopefully not har- harm themselves as they bash that I thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then King Domino, which was the winner that year, Bruno Cathalas. Um, this was a game that I was like, really? That's it? Yeah. And then I eventually picked it up, and I played it with my kids. And at the time, my daughter was four, I think, and she immediately got it. And I was like, oh, this is a this is a Spiel des Jahres winner. That's that's. Everybody likes it, and everybody can play it. Yeah, it's immediately accessible. Even when I threw the giants in there with the expansion, it it just clicks. It's so simple. Um, but there's enough there to make interesting decisions. So I've come around on this one. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, no, this is again, like I said last year, was kind of like a great rock star year. This is kind of honestly feels a little bit less. King Donmo's great. Magic Maze is is a thing that I've played several times, and the Quest for El Dorado is mechanically a, a good game. Uh, yeah, I I own King Domino, and I, I don't know if I own the rest. To be honest, I have Magic Maze and Quest for El Dorado strictly for teaching. Uh-huh. Um, I bring those into the classroom because they both play in under an hour, and they both cover sure. a module <laughs> like cooperative play and like problematic theming. Um, but King Domino is the only one that I play at home, like with people that, you know, that aren't students. Gotcha. Is it better? I should have asked it better than Queen Domino. Yeah. Queen Domino is like, it's one of those 
things where they, they overcomplicated a simple sure. system to try to appeal to gamers. And then you play it and you're like, I guess, but I'd still rather just play this other one. Why are we taking a 15 minute game and turning it into a 45 minute game? <laughs> I've seen. Stop doing that, guys. <laughs> so. All right. Well, that leads us to 2018. All right. 2018 is another one of those slam dunk years. Um, this was a fun year because it was the year Wolfgang Warsh was nominated for three awards. <laughs> so, and we're like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. So the first one was The Mind, which is not a game. We've had this argument. <laughs> it's not a game. It's not a game. It's like, you're like you're supposed to like, I we don't have to get into no. it. But basically, you're not speaking to each other at all. You have to play cards in the right order, which <laughs> just doesn't work. I don't know. Like, it's only fun if you've been drinking. And even then, you start yelling at each other. It's a game experience that you can have, but we will not. So there you go. Exactly. I did it once at Origins um, with beers, and that was kind of fun. And until somebody got <laughs> mad, and then it was like, this isn't fun anymore. And then you had, then you thought back about playing Magic Maze, where you got the giant cudgel, and you wanted just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Luxor, which felt like the most 1999 of nominees. It is. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It it's a good game, but it did not feel like innovative or different in any way. Um, Rudiger Dorn from Queen Games. And then Azul won that year, um, which at the time we're like, oh, Azul's a good game. It's a nice abstract. And then it's kind of gone on to become this whole industry unto itself. Yes. 11 versions and millions of copies sold, mm -hmm. which I'm okay with. I like Azul. I just don't know that we necessarily saw that coming at the time. No. And again, it, uh, abstract games are a dime a dozen. I don't mean that in a bad way. Like they just are. And they've been yeah. around forever and they will always be produced. And Azul was another one of them. And I think that year plan b games had some other very good games that were out there and that just people just again azul's it's just again very streamlined gameplay you know one of those things simple to play difficult to master kind of thing and it's just it's beautiful pieces i mean it's it's just so smart it's just a, it's a very smart game as you mentioned luxar i think we did that on bj live which was a lot of fun because it's a kind of a race game but it is so 1999 and then the yeah. mind is not a thing so <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry 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 warsh you're the best uh, you're we'll, the best we'll, i mean we'll you get into it next time wolfgang warsh got his own in the kennerspiel that year he won an award but look he's I'm glad it wasn't for the mind he he just randomly was like and you know what another nominee award-winning kind of game i'm just gonna throw it out there and we're like sure <laughs> like you know yeah, why not like the best of us can't make a halfway decent game and you're like you know what three this year i'll, I'll make it three this year like <laughs> Yeah. yeah so makes a Try lot of sense me. all right 2019 all right so 19 i, I feel like we got three years in a row here where each year we're like really yeah With the nominees so I this agree. is the first one of those 2019 was the year they nominated all party games so we had <laughs> where words from ted allspock which isn't that the game we found out later like ripped off another game yes it was some japanese designer and there was this whole controversy and a bunch of emails that were shared online and the thing is it's actually it's actually a good game as far as like werewolf is concerned yeah but unfortunately possibly borrowing from another game. oh yeah no 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 i, I mean look <laughs> crimes were committed <laughs> i don't know who or where or when but as an industry crimes crimes have been and continue to be committed so yeah this may be in this may have been one of them. I don't know. I, I, I remember following it. We talked about it, but I don't remember if it actually came to a, a conclusion, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, Llama, Reiner Knizia, which is a card shedding game, which is like a weirdly controversial game. 
like whenever I see someone try to pull this out, half the people at the table will be like, what the heck? Llama? <laughs> Ew, gross. It's fine. It's not great. I don't like it. But it's, I don't hate it. It's Reiner Knizia. <laughs> He's a, yet another yeah. another one of these geniuses out there who's like just walking and like a game falls out of his head just because he sneezed yeah. in, in the right direction. I don't know. And his That's exactly what it is. And yeah. his games are never about theme. His games are never almost yeah. never thematic. They're just like I'm a genius. Let me give you an algorithm and you put some artwork on there, child, and you do that and you're like <laughs> he's like I've done it again. I'm like of course you have greatness continue to sneeze out these abstracted games that are oftentimes good to brilliant so do that yeah um and then the the winner that year was just one from ludovic rowdy and bruno Sauter. it's another party game another word type of game in that vague realm of like code names this is a this is one of those games that i like more than i thought i would Uh but it's still just it's a party game right it's you, you put the you put you pick a word from a card that you can't see everybody else writes down one word and you have to try to guess what it is based on what they wrote down yep it's fun but it's also cooperative and also it's a weird scoring system that doesn't we usually ignore it's another one of those games that goes onto my list of like this is great for my students to talk about communication styles i don't necessarily want to play it separately but i will if somebody brings it out it's another game experience it's another game experience slash party experience games yeah. where the traditional criteria you cannot attach it to this and as you mentioned it's literally every other party game that's out there which is like one it's either it's one person doesn't know a thing everyone else knows a thing gives you some sort of clue and you try to guess a thing so and again i i think what it really comes down to is it had those erasable markers with those placards and it just it was just enough just one huh? just enough that just enough of a game that people were like i'm burnt out i'm done for the day but yes i can play this this is a this is an opener or a closer filler game so to speak and it somehow hit gamers i i own a copy i don't i don't know why but i do so spanish Yaris, you've done it again you magnificent yeah. bastards <laughs> buy this again 2020 all right, 2020, uh, another weird year. So we had Nova Luna, which was a re-implementation, kind of, of Habitats um, that Uwe, Ro- Uwe Rosenberg made. Yeah. So, But it had, like, the weird moon track. So it's basically your, a tile-laying game where you're trying to match certain symbols between the tiles to score points. Um, My City, which was, like, a weird campaign type of game where you're building out this, like, polyomino city for Minor Canizia. And then Pictures uh, from Daniela and Christian Store. And pictures, I think, kind of falls into that category once again of more of an activity where you're just like using various random items in the box to make the picture of the thing. Yeah. So it's like junk art, but much smaller. Sure. And supposedly more gamified. I have not played pictures. My city, I have some gameplay experience of that. And my gameplay experience of that has been it's not for me like that's another polyomino kind of situation and then nova oh, luna like that nova luna i have not played nova luna is good i like it as a solo experience but it's it's not doing much and then at this point there's four versions of that game i think i like framework the best of all of them mm-hmm. um 
and they're all just slightly different from each other. It's weird that they keep iterating on that design. Yeah, I, I think at the time we said 2020 was a down year. I'm sure it was for me. Love these games, but none of these games have really left a cultural impact. No, and and I've like again, the Spiritiaris is something that I do pay attention to. I do play those games. I do buy those games, and these are three games that I didn't even come close to. So it's interesting. But Anthony, what about 2021? All right, more weird stuff coming up. We got Micro Macro Crime City. Yes. Another activity. A good one, uh-huh. but not a game. <laughs> the Adventures of Robin Hood, the follow-up to Andor from Michael Menzel, which is very similar to Legends of Andor, but more kiddified. Mm-hmm. Um, so more in line with a, a Spiel nomination. And then Zombie Teens, which is a legacy-style cooperative game that my daughter loves because you get to put stickers on everything and the games are like 15 minutes long. So that one is one I like kind of wrote off at first, but then playing with her, my wife mostly plays with her, but having played with her, it's just like, Oh no, this is a great kid's game. Yeah. I, I was, I think we talked about this on the previews way before it became a thing. Micro macro crime city. It seemed it again, it's one of those genius, you know, concepts. It's where's Waldo but with yeah. like cute little adorable critters that somehow for some reason murder each other. But it's a, gi- uh-huh. all it is is a, it's a giant piece of paper and you're given clues and the piece of paper has all of the incidents past, present and future printed on that one paper. And you have to follow it back and I guess deduce what, what actually occurred. I own it. I don't know why it plays. The family plays it. It's one of those things where like, you could just go, here's a sheet of paper. Here's a clue. Find the thing eventually, which you do. So as you said, Anthony, it's not a game. It's a game experience. I've not played the others, but they look adorable. It was, it was another year of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't a great year. I mean, there were some fun, interesting things in there. Yeah. Them were like, I mean, I don't think in 10 years we're going to look back and be like, Oh yeah. Zombie teens. <laughs> That's where it was at, man. Yeah. Zombie teen it up. All right. 2022. All right. Last year, last year was a good year. If only cause Cascadia won. <laughs> and I love Cascadia. Um, it's a, it's a really good game though. And I think it represents everything we want in a spiel nominee of simple to learn, easy to play, but complexity in there. If you want it, um, Scout was another one from Oint Games and then Top 10. And Top 10, I think, is the only one of the bunch here I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Scout really didn't do it for me. Like, as a card game, it wasn't super engaging. Um, but again, Cascadia won, so who cares? <laughs> I'll tell you, I was, at a, I was at a game meetup and somebody said, do you want to play Cascadia? And I was like, sure, let's play that. And then we played something else. So I was this close to playing that, Anthony. It's going to happen one day. And yep. I'm going to drag it over to the Renegade booth at Gen Con. <laughs> like, I know there's a lot of new games here, but we're going to sit down and play Cascadia. Uh, so. All right. All right. I have, I have not played the other two because, again, they were just, I know people like Scout a lot. And Top 10 was a thing. So yeah. <laughs> that, that was the thing. I, I guess that was a year. 2023, which is this year. So it is. Yeah. So these haven't been announced yet. It's They're announcing it on july 17th which is like six days from now uh when you're listening to this so uh, the nominees are dwarf romantic sure which is the board game version of the video game it's a tile lay game um fun facts which <laughs> i don't think we have here yet uh has this been released here yet i don't think so i don't think so and then next station london 
which I believe is a flipping right. So uh-huh. those, they always nominate those flipping rights. So I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to fun facts. It looks like a party game activity type of thing. Um, this is like the, the Holy Grail trio of Spiel des Jahres nominees. We've got a party game. We've got uh, an activity in the party game. We've got a roll and write, and we've got a tile laying game. So who knows? Sounds like a thing. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll know next week. There you go. And we'll, we'll report back to you all and let you know what won. And hopefully at some point we get to play these. Because, again, once it gets announced, they'll get mass produced. They'll be out everywhere. So beware. It's coming. All right, everyone. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.